Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello, all. <clears throat> we have a comedy today. A really weird comedy. Aristophanes' Birds. Have you read this one yet? Are you confused? Yeah, I find this one hard to follow because it is just so absurd. But we can get through this together. I will again be using the Peter Meinick translation from a 1997 production. As with Clouds and Wasps, I do recommend this translation. It is fairly recent in the whole scheme of translations, and I find it to be very accessible. This does mean, however, that I will be using some names that are different than what you found in another translation. But honestly, you'll be glad that I'm using them because Meinick's English names are much easier for this non-Greek speaker to pronounce, so I won't be stumbling over them through the rest of this episode. All right, on to the relevant background information. Birds was first performed in 414 BCE and won second prize at Dionysia. It is different than the other comedies we've read so far. It is much more of a farce than the satire that we've seen in the previous comedies. The play follows uh, Eulepides, or Good Hope, and Pithateris, or Trusty Friend, or in my next translation, Make Me Do. And you can see why I'm opting for the English translations of their names. I'll be calling them Good Hope and Make Me Do from here on out. They have gone on a quest to find Tyrius, who, according to legend, was turned into a hoopoe bird, and who we meet in that form. I'm not going to give the full list of characters because most of them don't have names. There's a priest and a poet and a lawyer. You get the idea. We do see some of the gods, Iris, Prometheus, Poseidon, and Heracles, and the homogenous chorus is made up of birds. But that's the only homogenous aspect of the chorus. They aren't all robins or blue jays or crows. Each member of the chorus is a different bird, so you can imagine how visually riotous this play has the potential to be. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll try to explain what on earth, or in the sky, happens in this play. Do I need to recap the parts of a comedy? I haven't been focusing as much on the structure of late. I will point out the pardos and parabasis when we get to them. When the play opens, we meet Make Me Do and Good Hope. They are on the older side of middle age and are fed up with Athens, the politics, the war, the court system. And they remember hearing the story about how Tyrius got turned into a hoopoe. And they're thinking that becoming birds themselves might be a good move to make. So they've gone off to find the hoopoe and learn from him and they've now reached the Hoopo's home. And after some negotiation and a significant amount of scatological humor, they convince the Hoopo's servant to fetch his master. The Hoopo isn't looking so good. He doesn't have many feathers left, which he tells Make Me Do in Good Hope is because he's molting. He tells the humans about how wonderful life is as a bird and how much better it is than when he was human. Make Me Do thinks being a bird sounds okay, but he has thoughts on how it could be better. There's no reason the birds can't be treated like gods. I mean, didn't they used to be gods before those upstart Olympians took over? And he has some logic behind this thought. Humans currently worship the gods by burning sacrifices, and the smoke from those sacrifices floats through the sky to the gods. And who lives in the sky? The birds. So the birds could stop the sacrifices from reaching the gods. 
That's some beautiful smoke you have here. It would be a shame if something happened to it. The hoopoe thinks this sounds great, and with the help of his nightingale wife, he calls on the rest of the birds to come join them. And this is probably the greatest paradise ever. As I mentioned in the introduction, each member of the chorus is a different bird, so they are not all wearing the same costume. And unlike other choruses, they don't always act in unison. They enter from all over the stage, one at a time. It's their own jellical ball, except with birds instead of cats. Make Me Do explains his plan to the chorus. This section is technically the Agon, but in keeping with the weird that is this play, it's not like any other Agon we've seen. He's not arguing with anyone. There's no proper debate. Instead, Make Me Do has two key points he wants to convince the birds of, and those make up the two arguments of the Agon. First, he convinces them that they used to be gods. Second, he convinces them that if they follow him, they can be gods again. He succeeds, and the actors go off to fulfill Make Me Do's plans. The chorus then sings the parabasis, but whereas we generally see the chorus step out of character and take off their masks, the chorus of birds stays in character, and they retell the Greek creation myths to explain the role of the birds. Basically, they expand on Make Me Do's arguments from the Agon. When the actors return, Make Me Do has created a new country whose name might sound familiar to you. Cloud Cuckoo Land. Make Me Do and Good Hope have also tried to use a magical route to turn themselves into birds. Their new bird forms are about as convincing as the hoopos, but Cloud Cuckoo Land is everything Make Me Do had hoped. The following episode consists of a variety of humans seeking work or life in Cloud Cuckoo Land, and there's a lot of typical Aristophanes humor as Make Me Do dispatches each one of them. The chorus then sings another parabasis about the proper way to treat birds and how things are going to change now that they're in charge. Birds will no longer be caged, or trapped, or eaten. They also make some bird poo-based threats to the judges should the play not win a first place. And it's interesting to note that this play did not win first place. It's a line that's more traditional to a parabasis and yet still completely in character for a chorus of birds. When the actors return this time, it is to report that the walls of Cloud Cuckoo Land are complete, but the gods have sneaked in. Iris, the rainbow messenger of the gods, flies on stage and Make Me Do chases her around. It's your basic Peter Pan versus Captain Hook scene, except without the swordplay. Iris and Make Me Do argue about how Cloud Cuckoo Land is preventing communications between the mortals on Earth and the gods on Olympus. Iris eventually flies off to report to Zeus about how she was treated and what she learned. The next god to appear is Prometheus. He tells Make Me Do that the Olympians are starving because they aren't getting their offerings from the humans down on Earth. You'll recall from Prometheus Bound that Prometheus and the Olympians don't exactly get along. So Prometheus is happy to give Make Me Do advice on how to further screw over the Olympians. He tells Make Me Do to hold his line when negotiating with the Olympians until Zeus concedes to give Make Me Do his scepter, which holds all of his godly powder, power, and until Zeus agrees to the marriage of Make Me Do to the Divine Princess. Who is that? That's a good question. She bears an uncanny resemblance to Athena, who you may recall is a virgin goddess. So Make Me Do can't marry Athena, especially not in a play being presented in said virgin goddess's city of Athens. Some things are a step too far, even for Aristophanes. 
more on this character in the analysis section. Poseidon, Heracles, and a barbarian god that Minoc calls Dracophilot arrive to negotiate with the birds. Make Me Do convinces Heracles to agree to his terms. Heracles bullies Dracophilot into agreeing, and Poseidon is therefore outvoted. The play ends with the wedding of Make Me Do to the Divine Princess. Did you follow that? I know, it's a weird play. We'll take one more break and come back to figure out what it all means. So, what did you think of birds? Yes, I've said it before, but it is weird. It's a little trippy, but in many ways, the farcical nature of it makes it translate to a modern audience better than, say, the war comedies we've read earlier. It is not as tied to what was happening in the Peloponnesian War and the city of Athens as most of Aristophanes' other plays. The scholars are split on this play. We can take it very seriously. Perhaps Cloud Cuckoo Land is a metaphor. Perhaps it is a commentary on the attempt to create utopia. Or maybe it's just a bunch of sound and fury signifying nothing. Maybe this is just your basic Mamma Mia feel-good musical that you shouldn't think too hard about. Does it have to mean anything? Can it just be a comedy for comedy's sake? There are valid arguments on both sides, and clearly there is an escapist element to this play. Isn't that what it's all about? Aren't Make Me Do and Good Hope trying to escape their lives in Athens? But it also is clearly a commentary on society. Make Me Do attempts to create a bird utopia, but in effect, he recreates Athens, only in the sky. Before we close this episode, I do want to come back to the character of the Divine Princess. Is she supposed to be Athena or not? As I noted in the summary, marrying off a virgin goddess who also happens to be the patron of the city is a step Aristophanes is not willing to take. So she definitely is not Athena, even though she bears a lot of the same traits of that goddess. For example, she is in charge of Zeus's thunderbolts. But unlike Athena, she has no voice. Can you imagine how Athena would respond if Zeus told her she was to marry someone? I don't think she would silently concede. So I'll ask again what you think. The link in the blog, the link to the blog is in the show notes, and come join the conversation there. On Wednesday, we'll cover the next book of the Iliad, and on Friday, we'll continue myth with Hesiod's Theogony. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.